All right. Well, happy Father's Day. Happy Sunday, everybody. How we doing? Man, all right. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, th we are at Wells Branch Community Church, and my name is Chris Plegenpohl. If you are watching online, welcome. I am so glad you are joining us, as there are more of you on the other side of that camera than there are in here, and I'm so glad to be communicating with you. Let us know uh, where you're watching from, or just simply fill out that connection pad that's online in your little chat box thing area below the screen. Okay, hey, so uh, one of the things I want you to be able to know is that we do questions. We love questions, so put a, send us a text, and we will answer those throughout the week on any subject that you want, especially specifically about this sermon. Uh, we're in a series called Joy Unshackled, and the theme uh, that really is going along with our, um, with our day and age is that it feels like for a lot of us, our joy has been shackled to circumstance, which there is no joy in Mudville these days because we look around and life is hard. Whether it is you are dealing with pandemicness or job loss or economic downturn or uh, racial tension, it can be a place of high friction. Um, and that's hard. And so this, this morning, uh, uh, specifically, I want us to get into how we can overcome shackling ourselves to whatever thing that has us locked down. Um, can I just tell you a specific time where I had a lot of joy? And uh, it, was, it was a day I got back from war, all right? So if anybody you have ever been to war, one of my war people out there, if you online, if you watched, if you've been to war, been to battle, uh, give me a what's up on the, the chat there. But if you've been to battle, you know the, the greatest thing is getting to come home. And I remember getting off the airplane. This is like so vivid in my memory. I've been gone for two years. Uh, I was, I'd been in Korea for a year and deployed from Korea to Iraq, so it was a long time. And I, we landed in Colorado Springs, and I'd never been to Colorado Springs before that, but that's where we landed, and that's where, our, that's where we'd be living for the next whatever. And I remember getting off the airplane and looking over, I mean, I looked to the right, and there's this massive pink mountain, which I later found out was Pikes Peak. And it was like this glorious thing, which kind of was a tribute to how awesome I felt at the time, okay? It was just like this incredible experience. And in fact, for that first 30 days after I got back from Iraq, all I did was talk about being in Iraq in war. But I had a bronze star that I was running around with, and I had a really a bunch of cool dads in my uniform. Everybody was buying me lunch, and everybody was, uh, you know, doing whatever they could to support me. It was really, really a sweet time. And what can happen, what can happen, if I'm not careful, I can start living the glory days of Back when everybody respected the military and back when, you know, I can go to that place where I can just start going, that was when I had joy. And if we could just get that back, if I could just get that back, everybody re really excited about uh, the fact that I just come home. If I could get that back, I would finally be satisfied. And I would, I think that that there's an issue with that. And I think it's why a lot of us have our joy shackled, that it's stuck in circumstance. Um, in fact, here's three reasons we resist rejoicing in the Lord, which is the whole book of uh, Philippians, which we've been reading, is all about that. But the reason why we resist rejoicing in the Lord is because we get excited about our past. We get excited about all the great stuff that we did. I want to put more trophies up, more awards up. I want to kind of remember the good old days. I want to be like Cousin Rico. 
That dated me right there. <laughs> All right, uh, well, I wanted, I wanted to uh, experience, okay, the, the, what's in the past. But well, here's the same thing. Uh, for those of you who are uh, thumbing through your phone while you're here right now, uh, we, want to, we have this hard time. We get excited about a present. We live vicariously through social media. We live vicariously through news feeds. We live vicariously through other stuff. And what can happen, listen, it could be even good stuff like work. And what can happen is we can get so consumed with that that we forget to rejoice in the Lord. And all of a sudden, a joy becomes shackled to our current performance or to whatever we are doing in the moment. Or how about this? Um, we resist rejoicing in the Lord because we get excited about our future. We're dreaming about how one day it's all going to come through. One day when that vacation comes and then I can finally relax. One day when, and you've said this, you've, it's been bizarre, you've said this, and then you get to the vacation or you get to that thing and you say, one day when I get back to normal. I just can't wait for this thing to be over. Because somehow we've fooled ourselves that if we can just escape the present to get to the future, everything will be better. And so I really want us to embrace what it means to rejoice in the Lord and have our joy shackled to Jesus and not shackled to circumstance. Now, the good news is we are in the letter or book of Philippians, and Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians from house arrest, which is sort of like a convenient time for us. So if you don't have a Bible, would you mind uh, pulling out your phone or pulling out your Bible uh, and then go into Philippians. And uh, this, this letter was written from house arrest where Paul was strapped up to another Roman soldier, not exactly his biggest fan, whom he would probably lead to Jesus at one point. And then he was writing to a church that was struggling with uh, unity. They were fighting. Uh, they were struggling with uh, people coming and saying, you got to live by works, not by faith. And they were struggling with it. And so in this letter, joy is going to re- or joy. Paul's going to remind us that our joy is shackled only to Jesus, the only thing that will never change. Okay, so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, if you have one of our Bibles on page 981, uh, if you don't, then go to the table of contents. All right, here we go. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Theme of the whole letter, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. So if you thought wearing masks was safe, uh, rejoicing in the Lord is even safer. Okay. To write the same thing to you is no trouble for me is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Now watch this triple look out. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. This is a triple look out. That means you really need to look out. And he's going to tell us why. So anytime you hear anything three times in the Bible, that means it's really, really, really important. Look out for these people. For we are the circumcision. So he's, he's kind of now letting you know what the issue is. There's an issue, the circumcision, and so there was such a common thing that when you say mutilators of the flesh, everybody knows that Paul was writing about people who were ma- mandating that you be circumcised to be a Christian. Which, if you're a woman, you're like, no big deal. But if you're a dude, big deal. Okay? And that was what we call barrier to entry. All right? If you want to make a high barrier entry, put circumcision on there. And God's like, nah, I'll be out here. Thank you very much. And what we found is that what Jesus did on the cross, when he died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead, he did the work so we could worship Jesus in spirit and truth. Now, circumcision was important because the promise to Abraham, let's do a quick history lesson. So the promise to Abraham was, 
Abraham, through your seed, all the nations would be blessed. So you do the associative properties of where circumcision happens, how the nations will be blessed through his seed. The Greek word for that is sperma. So there you go. So what happens is saying like that is how you show the world that your mind is by identifying yourself physically with the promise of Abraham. But Jesus comes on, he gets crucified, which is way more painful, and then he dies so that we worship by the Spirit of God, verse 3, Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus in what he did for us and put no confidence in the flesh. Now watch, you got three confidence in the fleshes. Three lookouts, three confidence for the fleshes. Very important po- passage right here. So watch, put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself, here's Paul, like, listen, I've got reason to put confidence in the flesh. If you think you got reasons, I got reasons. Put confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I got more. So what he's saying is, oh, you think you're circumcised. Okay, okay, I'll go there with you. Not only was I circumcised, verse 5, I was circumcised on the eighth day. All right, and what he's about to do, he's about to lay down, remember three is a perfect number in the Bible, seven is a perfect number in the Bible, how fun is that? So he's about to list out, he did a couple threes, and now he's going to list out seven reasons, and he's going to follow it with a couple threes again. This is kind of how fun Paul is. All right, so watch. Circumcised on the eighth day. You were circumcised at 25 or whenever when you came to faith. Painful, but guess what? Not as holy as me. All right, how about this? Of the people of Israel, where are you from again? What's that? Philippi. Mm, not exactly people of God. Me, people of God. All right, how about this? Uh, of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, you don't know who Benjamin is? Let me tell you. So there was uh, Jacob, who, a.k.a. Israel, had a favorite wife. Okay? Favorite wife had two sons. Oldest son was Joseph. Youngest, the baby, the favored one, was Benjamin. Me, of the tribe of Benjamin. How about this? A Hebrew of Hebrews. Listen, you speak Greek and you call yourself a Jew. You're not. Listen, if you want to be legit, learn the original language. You thought King James Version was the original. No, this is... I speak the Hebrew, all right? Listen, I speak the Hebrew. I'm legit. As to the law of Pharisee, uh, you don't just get to go walking around saying, uh, I got the t-shirt at the Pharisee store. No, you had to go to like Harvard, get your PhD, and then walk out, and someone gave you a certificate and then gave you the clothes to match. So uh, a Pharisee, as to the law of Pharisee, so he was way up there. He knew the law. He understood it. He had it memorized. And then as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. You think you got zeal. I'm willing to kill people. You willing to kill people? No, you're not. I'm willing to kill people for what I believe in. And he did. To which everyone's like, I don't know if that's a good thing. Right. That's kind of a weird side. But he's like, listen, this is where I am a persecutor of the church. I took people down. When, it, when the Bible says throw a rock at them, I threw a rock at them. And then Jesus came and he took the rocks for the world. And so I now knew that it wasn't my job to throw rocks anymore. And then this last bit here, watch. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. In other words, what you could see in me, I was perfection. You could not outlaw me. I could outlaw you. I could do it backwards and forwards. And I could make you feel small. So if we want to talk about confidence of flesh, let's roll. And then he's going to say, listen, but that's ridiculous. Verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now, he's about to list off his you know, spiritual P&L report. You guys know what I'm talking about? Profit and loss? 
All right, he's about to kind of take us through an accounting deal. Watch. Remember, okay, for those who are not familiar with accounting, all your positive stuff is written in what color? Black. All right. <laughs> we had some people that didn't do so well in accounting. All right, so then uh, all of our negative or like liabilities, what is that written in? All right, good. All right, so at least we got that one. We all know what that one is. Very, very few of us are in the black, and that's why that happens. Okay, we forget the color. All right. Well, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, I count all this as loss. On my profit or loss, all my spiritual achievements, all my circumcision, all the fact, my birthright, all that, loss in comparison to what I've gained in Jesus. Okay, and then he'll do it again. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Everything lost, that's me or the flesh, anything I can do, that's a loss. Everything else, that's surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, that's the best. That's a win. Then watch this. For his sake, I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may, be, may gain Christ. So three times. What's my, uh, on the balance sheet, my asset is Jesus. My liabilities, my debts are everything else. Because in comparison, listen, this is, he's not saying don't go to school. He's not saying don't learn, your, don't learn Hebrew. He's, what he is saying, though, is in comparison to knowing Jesus, it's all worthless. And then he uses this word. Are you guys ready for your Greek uh, lesson of the day? All right, this, this is a word that you'll never forget. I want to prepare yourselves for it. This is a shock word. It's a S word, and it's pronounced scubala. And it means the same thing as our S word that's pronounced differently. Okay, okay, watch. Uh, he's saying, he's saying, and I'll, I'll say it just like maybe he said it, it's a shock. For this, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as scubala in order that I may gain Christ. If you were to look up the word scubala in your Greek dictionary, it would say dung is probably the most appropriate word. Uh, I prefer poop, okay? Uh, just probably because I have a house of seven and under, uh, and so we talk about poop a, lot, a whole lot. But this is it. This is the word, and it's a shock word that when the people wrote, like, whoa, Paul, that's a little far. I mean, you should, listen, you're, we're at church here. You can't write dirty words at church, and that's a dirty word, literally. <laughs> man, the humor just, bam, nailed that one. <laughs> All right, in order that I may gain Christ. Now watch, verse 9, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now watch, watch. Christians rejoice in the Lord, not in a past award. Okay? Christians rejoice in the Lord, not in a past award. Now, <clears throat> when we think, how do you rejoice in a past award? award, you hold up your trophy. You've got your trophy room. You've got your I love me wall. You know, we all have those things where we've got our little certificates and plaques, the I love me wall. You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, some people have their I love me wall on the back of their car. You know, it, it depends on where you go. Your I love me wall is somewhere, and that's your pedigree. That's what gets you in. If, as long as I have the, this certificate, I am somebody. 
Okay? Okay? And so what can happen is we can put, like, what could happen, especially in that day, is everyone was getting wrapped around Paul's PhD, but not wrapped around Jesus. Um, I was trying to figure out a good way to explain this. Um, I think I got one. Okay. Do you guys know what this is? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. This is my Letterman jacket. 1994, I got this bad boy. All right? For basketball, and people are like, basketball, shouldn't you have done like cross country or something? Stop judging me, all right? I was cool. Now listen, I may not have uh, played very much on the floor. I rode the pine like a champ, but listen, this letter jacket, now we live in Texas, okay, right? And I, in the Dallas area, it's still about as hot as Austin, okay? And um, uh, I would wear my letter jacket when it wasn't cold. Okay, right, right, now watch here. And I would wear it, and I would walk into school, and I made sure everyone saw, I don't know if you saw that yet. Did you see that yet? Freshman over there, where are you at? Mm-hmm. That's right, a virtualize. Like that, there is this thing in me, right, that I, and I, I wanted everyone to see, and what was really great is I got to be the pep rally leader, okay? So in front of a thousand people, I'd be striding out there with my letter jacket, and there was just like this incredible just joy that came from that moment. Here's, okay. And that, I, my, my whole job was to get people's lungs to fall out of their chest screaming out loud. Okay? And I would have, I made like little um, rally rags for people to wave as they screamed for me. I made them and sold them to them and made them buy them. And the, and the school wanted to know if they could take my printing press that I had made and use it. I said, no, you can buy it from me at $3 a towel like everybody else. Like there is this thing in me that like as an entrepreneur, as like, you know, a 16, 17 year old, I was like, we're making this thing happen. I am king of this little world right now. And then I got a freshman girl. Never forget this. Her name was Tara. Poor Tara. And I said, listen, Tara, I'm about to graduate. I need you to write down all the things that I've done. I'm not, I wish I was making this up. I'm not making this up. I said, Tara, listen, every day you must tell a story about something I did at this school so they do not forget me. Do you understand? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I would call the chick on her. Tara, did you tell a story about me today? Uh, well, Chris, you see, I uh, got a little, uh, you know, it was like they don't really remember. It doesn't matter. Tell the story. And what happens, we can get so like connected to our legacy that will make up like, listen, you can't let them forget. Okay, that's high school. That, 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 of course, is silly now, but is it? Because I wonder how many of us are struggling because we're like, no, no, what happens? What, my significance has to be found and I've got to make something bigger and better of the achievements I'm at because what if they forget? What if it all comes to rubbish? To nothing, because it will. Because it will. And I think this is where we struggle. Now watch, it's, it's not just the past that we sort of like hang on to. Uh, it's also the right now. Watch this. So remember, when, when I get into this, that Paul, when he's writing, he writes like, in English, it turns out to be a serious run-on sentence. So let me back you up to verse 10 for a second. I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, 
that by any means possible, verse 11, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. All right, now watch. You're going to be like, wait, does that mean that we have to work it out? I thought we just said that, you know, he does the work in us, but that seems like you have to attain something. No, hang on. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. What? But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straying forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Now watch. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. It's because he's using language that's difficult to wrap your head around. But work is a fruit, not a root. Okay, you with me? Work in Jesus is a fruit, not a root. When you make it a root, it's like, if I start with that, I've got to attain that. No, he's saying, listen, work is a fruit, not a root. You've already obtained it. Now live up to it. When, when I was uh, in the army, guys would wear ranger tabs and then because um, they earned it. But then they wouldn't live up to it because their honor wasn't high or their they would gain weight, and they didn't look like a ranger looked anymore, or whatever. And we'd say, live up to the thing that you already have. Live up to the salvation that Christ has earned for you. Does that make sense? Now, brothers, join me in imitating me. Join me. Imitate me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, now even tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Now look at this. Christians rejoice in the Lord, not in the moment's reward. Christians rejoice in the Lord, not in the moment's reward. Now, now look, um, this week uh, I had... Um, Oh, there's this anxiousness that came about me as I was writing the sermon because it comes down to this kind of thing of how can I explain this? And I was just stressed. Um, and I was like, how am I going to bring this up? But let me just break it down for you. There's things that we can do, right, that, that are good, that you can get sucked into. Like doing church stuff is good things. Yay church things. Yay for church things. But when doing church things replaces your relationship with Jesus that's when the reward is the reward of its own. It's not Jesus. Does that make sense? And this is why you get burnt out. This is why you get angry at people. This is why we like the church. We, stay so, we start to like the church, and you just like say some exaggerative statement because you got angry because you were looking for the reward in what you do, and you weren't looking for reward in Jesus. That's what happens a thousand percent of the time. It happens with me. Now, but there's sometimes that we can get caught up in doing bad stuff, like drugs, stealing, abuse. Like, in general, that the moment's reward is like, I just need that high to last a little longer. I'll do whatever it takes. I need whatever money. If I need to steal to get it, if I need to hurt somebody to get it, I'll do it because I need that lift. Or watch, um, it could be amoral, like something like playing a video game. It's not, it's not good or bad. It just is, and you play it. Or how about this? Thumbing through Facebook. Some of you are thumbing through Facebook right now. You're like, what? I just do it because it's like a habit. And I'm like, exactly. You've, be, you've made being busy a habit, and so your mind is never present with Jesus. Okay. 
So this is where we go. The good, the bad, the amoral. And all of those things, that any, even, whether it's good, even if it's good, even if it's a great thing, if it replaces what Jesus is doing for you, you can miss it. Now, this week, I was really stressed. Uh, I was working on the sermon for this week and one for next week that I'm, I'm doing at uh, another church presentation thing. And I, I felt stress of having a bunch of deadlines, of having to come up with two things all at the same time. And what I would normally do, like my, my thought process is, work harder. Anybody else have that like mindset? When it's hard, just work harder than the hardness, and you'll, you'll finally overcome it. And then the Lord spoke to me, and it was like, hey, you need to just come hang out with me. And I was like, that is so inconvenient, because um, I only have a certain amount of time, and then uh, that time will be gone. And then, you know, I could hear the Lord saying, just trust me. So I, I put down, I pull up my Bible, and I open up to where I was in my quiet time, and I just went to John 12, and it was the story of um, Mary anointing Jesus' feet. And so I'm reading, and I'm like, okay, cool. And it gets to the part where, you know, Mary anoints Jesus' feet with the nard that's really expensive, and she's wiping it with her hair, and everyone's, everybody in the building's feeling awkward about it, okay? And then Judas is watching this, and he says sort of what maybe some people were thinking. He just said it out loud. He's just like, are you serious? You just broke that gazillion dollars worth of nard and wiped it on Jesus' feet? I mean, how many more mouths could we feed out there? I mean, for, like, do you not care about the poor? And then Jesus goes, shut up, Judas. And what, what she's doing is anointing me, and it won't be taken from her. And then I realized that Mary, I, I just, it, that brought to mind as I was reading, it brought up Luke 10, and that's where um, Jesus and the disciples roll into Bethany. They want to stay at Mary and Martha's house, or they're doing a teaching time there, and Martha's in the kitchen getting everything ready for lunch. And then all of a sudden, she's lost her helper, Mary, who's now sitting in the room with Jesus, and she's like got her mouth open, drinking in everything he's saying because it's just fueling her soul. And then Martha rolls out, Jesus, tell her to come in the kitchen to help me. Don't you care? I have to do all this by myself, as usual. And Jesus is like, Martha. You're distracted by so many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the better thing, and it won't be taken from her. And I was, as I was, I, was, I was just kind of taking that in, I realized Mary chooses Jesus with all of her wealth, and she chooses Jesus with all of her time. And never once did Jesus go, uh, Mary, a little bit less me time, a little bit more you time. Not once. In fact, he defends her. He calls that right. And so what happens is if you want, now listen, don't, don't get into a conditional statement here, but the reality is if you want Jesus to defend you, spend time with him. If you want Jesus to do the work that you've been struggling, because can't Jesus turn things around? Like let, let's say financially, doesn't he own a gazillion dollars more than the world economy? He owns the world, right? He has a cattle on a thousand hills. You've heard that before. So if he wanted in a second to make money come out of thin air or out of a fish's mouth, or just in your mailbox, could he not do that? And you're stressing, and you're, there's friction, and you're fighting, and Jesus is like, that was not what I had in mind when I saved your soul. Spend time with me. I'm right here. Why, are you, you are, why don't you come talk to me about it? Come talk to me about it. I'm like, no, no, listen, Jesus, I'll get to you later, because listen, don't you understand I have important things to do? Listen, you're old, you're ancient, you got, I mean, you're running a lot of things, and you're not, I don't know, apparently not doing it very well. I need to help you out with all the things that are going on. I'll take care of that. 
And Jesus is less concerned over you fixing the world than you fixing you. And the only way to fix you is by spending time with him. And I think that is where we struggle. And that is why you escape to your phone. You can't pull your face out of it because you're stuck here. Because to, recognize, to look at Jesus' face is really hard to do when you know that you've been sitting here for a long time. Or when you've been looking at those video games for a long time. I'm not saying I'm not... Like Austin last night had to say, hey, Daddy, I think it's time for us to go to bed. We were playing Luigi's Mansion, and we were about to kill the game, all right? So I get it. <laughs> Anytime your seven-year-old says, like, Daddy, I think it's time for us to go to bed, that's probably a scary moment, right? Um, but that's where, what happens to us. When we get into a good thing, we can become the ultimate thing. And Jesus says, I am your ultimate thing. Rejoice in the presence of the Lord, not in the moment's reward. Now, what about the future? Look at this. Because we go to the future too, don't we? Chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior. We're waiting. We're looking toward the future. We're waiting for the future to come, but we're not waiting for our future success to come. We're waiting for Jesus to come. Watch. We await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. Because I think here's what happens. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the job that's finally going to pay us what we're worth. We await a Savior, that man who's finally going to make me happy, that woman who's going to finally make me happy, the children, the thing, the retirement, the... What is that thing? That's your heaven, and you're waiting for it. It's a Savior for you. But he said, no, no, not not the functional saviors that we run to, but the the Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus, waiting for the Savior Jesus. Christians rejoice in the Lord coming again, not in an earthly future plan. Uh, one of the things that my dad struggled with uh, was he was always betting on the come. Like, like it's coming. I, it was, my ship's coming in. I, Chris, you're not going to believe it. When you're going to be driving. I'm, I'll never forget the conversation. And at first, it got really exciting. When I was 16 or 17. You're going to be driving Lamborghinis. We're going to be a little bit. Um, because he struggled, my dad struggled with always trying to escape the present for the future. Now watch this. He would spend money like the deal had already come through, and then all of a sudden he'd find himself in a spot where it'd get really dark, and then that's when he went dark on me. Not, not that like he like did evil things, but he just wouldn't talk to me. He would just like vanish. Hey, Dad, how you doing? Nothing, you know? But because he was, I think what happened is like he had made all these promises, and when the promises weren't looking like they were going to happen, it made him feel embarrassed, and so he didn't want to, you know, have that called out or like just feel weird when. T- not that I'd ever call that out. I didn't care. I just wanted to spend time with my dad. And then all, when the deal was about to come through, that's when he'd resurface. Hey, guess what? Things are about to happen. And then when it didn't, radio silence. Bible is so clear on this. You guys know this. In James 4, uh, 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a place and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. 
<laughs> what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time that vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So the question I have this morning, as you're like thinking about your past, as your joy shackled to things in your past, as you think about what's going on right now, like literally this very second, how you can't stay focused on what I'm saying, because like there's that that email that you need to get to and that thing that you're like, I, I, I can do two things at once and you're just struggling. Both things don't get very much attention. Or that thing in the future you're trying to escape today from to get to. You're shackled to that. And Jesus says, be shackled to me. So what, in what do you rejoice? You know, as, you, as you're thinking about this, um, Jesus, on the night before he's betrayed, he gave us something to remember him by. Because he knew how we'd be. We'd forget. And he took bread. And he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Your soul feeds on Jesus like your stomach feeds on this bread. And that hunger that you might feel or that satisfaction that is, um, satis- or that satisfaction of the bread going in your stomach is even just a, it's just a shadow of what it's like when your soul is fed by Jesus. And he said, do this in remembrance of me and keep doing it until I come back. And the same way he took the cup. He said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. When I died on that cross, I started a work in you. And that work that I'm doing is the root. And then your work is going to be the fruit. And I want you to live that out by remembering that you could do nothing apart from me. Now, don't take communion yet, any of you. And if you're watching online, hold off. Because here's what happened. You, we get so wrapped up and get into the next thing. I'll, listen, I always went to the answer in the back of the book so I could beat the teacher on this stuff. I'm with you. But sit in the presence of the Lord for a second. And um, we're going to take a time to confess and repent. And if you're watching online or you're watching here, if there's a there's something you want to repent or start your prayer for, would you email us at prayer at wellsbranchchurch.com if you're in here or you're online? Write that. And let us pray for you. If there's something that you need to confess, if there's something you need prayer for, before we go to the Lord and take communion and experience His presence, um, pause and ask yourself the question, am I rejoicing in the Lord or am I rejoicing in my past? Am I rejoicing in the Lord? Am I constantly wanting this date to last a little longer or this video game to never stop or the thumbing through social media because I'm busy and I don't even know why I'm here uh, to never stop? Or are you looking towards a future success that one day that will save you? Or are you looking towards the blood of what Jesus has done and living in that truth and just experiencing that joy? Would you pray with me just for a moment as we confess to God our sin and our darkness of our heart and we're going to ask God to do a work and then we're going to take communion together. Father, I thank you that you are doing incredibly great things and God, I'm praying that we wouldn't get too attached to the great things that you have done in our past as if we could live in that moment. We could God, I just pray that our hearts would be so focused on your grace and your mercy 
your peace. And so, Lord, as we take the elements this morning, we, we first confess that, God. And, Lord, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, that they would simply say, Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner. I've been living in my past. I'm living in the present because I don't want this relationship to end. I'm so worried it is. I'm trying to keep it going as long as I possibly can. Or I'm trying to keep this thing going, whatever this thing is, because I don't want it to end. And once it ends, I don't know what there is there for me. God, I'm praying for people who are stuck on escaping now for the future and that the Savior will sometimes come and it's not you. So Lord, I pray that you would bless us and heal us. And we cry out and say, Jesus, save me, Lord. And Lord, for those of us who do know you, as we take communion this morning, will we repent fully of the darkness of our heart that leads us back to that place of it? I can do it on my own. One day the Savior's coming. Look at what I'm doing now. God, just heal us from that mentality that there's salvation, there's joy outside of anything other than you. And from that becomes good in all things. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.